0: Now, turn with me tonight to Paul's epistle to the Colossian church. We're going to read at chapter 1. Paul's letter to the Colossians, or chapter 1. we am going to read from the verse 9. I'll we'll not read the whole chapter, but we'll start reading at verse 9. Let's hear the word of the Lord, reading, of course, from the authorized verse. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Colossians 1, verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, And to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. Unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Giving thanks unto the Father who have made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who have delivered us from the power of darkness and have translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him are all things created that are in heaven, and that are in earth visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were him and for him. And he is before all things. And by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him, I say, whether they be things in earth, Or things in heaven. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. To present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Amen. We'll end the reading there at verse 22. And we pray the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now, my text tonight is taken from Colossians chapter 1 and verse 20, mainly the opening part of the verse, and having made peace through the blood of his cross. And my theme tonight is enjoying peace through the blood of his of the cross. Now I woke up on Thursday morning. And this text of scripture about 6.30. Was in my head. And I said in my heart and mind. Before the Lord. Before I even got out of bed. Lord that, that, that's a wonderful verse. And of course that verse is set in the middle. Of many mighty other verses. In fact the whole of Corinthians chapter 1. Is a wonderful chapter. Every verse is full of teaching and spiritual instruction if we have a mind to see and to learn. For example, notice the introduction in chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And then, if you look at chapter 1 again, from verses 3 to 8, you have a lesson on authentic and genuine Christianity. Paul presents the marks of genuine New Testament Christian experience. And don't the young people want to see something that's authentic and genuine in the lives of those that profess the name of Christ? Can't the young people spot a phony uh, from uh, about a mile off? Well, well, here's the marks of genuine New Testament Christianity. And, and then in verses 9 through to 12, Paul gives us a glimpse into what spiritual growth is. Really looks like we're to grow in grace and in the knowledge of Him, and one of the um, evidence of growth is to increase in the knowledge of God, and and that's a tremendous truth all in itself. And then in verses thirteen and fourteen, we've got a lesson on the forgiveness of sins based on redemption through the blood of Christ. And then in Colossians one verses fifteen to nineteen. You've got Christ, preeminent over all. In fact, in 1835, a Reverend Charles Simeon stood in his pulpit in Trinity Church in Cambridge and he quoted verse 18, especially the latter part which said that in all things he might have the preeminence. And he stood forth in the pulpit and he cried out, he must have it. And he will have it. And he shall have it. And so powerful was the effect of the Reverend Charles Simeon's sermon on the preeminence of Christ over all that 33 years later, someone who was there and witnessed it firsthand and who remembered that particular sermon, he repeated it to Bishop Henry Mole 33 years later. Colossians 1, 15 to 19 is definitely one of the most profound, powerful descriptions of the preeminence of the Lord Jesus Christ anywhere in the whole of the Bible. Then when we come to verse 20, the subject is enjoying peace through the blood of his cross. And what follows then is a message on the great ministry of reconciliation. Every true born again believer has a responsibility to be engaged in the great ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation is the most misunderstood Bible word and in the will of God. uh, Maybe next week if the Lord leads, then we'll deal with that particular subject. Now can you see how rich and full of meaning this passage is? So from one text of scripture that came into my mind on Thursday morning, about uh, half past six, enjoying peace through the blood of his cross, then the whole chapter began to open up. And I'm saying, but it's full of meaning here. Now, I can only deal with one subject at a time. And we're only going to focus on this one subject tonight, enjoying peace through the blood of the cross. Now, Now, think of the text Look Look at the words. And having made peace through the blood of his cross. I want you to think, first of all, of a glorious transaction that is explained. And having made peace. Think of Christ tonight. Not in heaven. But think of Christ on the earth. Think of Christ actually on the cross or or the tree. I'll direct your minds to the place known as Golgotha, the place of the skull, outside the city walls of Jerusalem, outside the gate of Damascus. And I want you to think of Christ in that middle tree. There's the Lord Jesus hanging naked. He's hanging in agony and blood. And did you know that the Bible teaches... What time it was on Good Friday when the Lord Jesus was on the cross. Look with me at Mark chapter 15. And we read there in the verse 33. And when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. Now here's the Lord Jesus on the cross. It's noontime. That's the sixth hour in the land of Israel to this day. And the Lord Jesus was on the cross from the sixth hour to the ninth hour just before he died. And we're going to think about what took place during those three hours. And it says in Mark 15, and when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. Did you know that when the Lord Jesus was on the cross from noon to 3 p.m. our time, on that original Good Friday, that during those three hours there was a gross blanket-like darkness descended on the land of Judah in general and over Jerusalem in particular? This was a gross darkness. It was so thick you couldn't see your finger in front of you. It was a visible darkness. It was seen for miles. Even historians and certain astronomers, they have all recorded some sort of supernatural event that happened in around the year AD 33 in the land of Israel, Judah and Jerusalem in particular. And what was taking place? There was gross darkness in the land. So so great was the darkness that Mark records it So does Matthew. So does Dr. Luke. Same thing. Same timeline. Same event. Luke 23, 44. I also believe that it's possible that the stars come out, even though the Bible doesn't tell us that. I also believe that when the Lord Jesus was on the cross... The sun, as it were, ceased to shine through the darkness. It it ceased to shine its light. Now, that darkness wasn't an eclipse. That darkness, I believe, was a supernatural display of God's control over nature. You see, that darkness highlights to me that sin's a terrible thing, a heinous thing. Men today laugh at sin. The Bible says fools mock at sin. Sin is treated as if it's nothing Even though it's a transgression of the law of God It's like a big joke It's like a sport even to many young people But sin is no joke young people Sin is not a sport Did you know that the Bible teaches there In the book of Romans About what God did in Romans chapter 8 And it says there In Romans chapter 8 and verse 32 He that spared not his own son But delivered him up for us all How shall he not with him also freely give us all things. You see at Calvary, the God of heaven and earth, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, displayed his wrath and abhorrence against sin. The Bible says for he that is God Hath made him that is Christ To be sin for us who knew no sin That we might be made the righteousness of God in him The Bible says in Hebrews or Isaiah 53 in verse uh, 10 It pleased the Lord to bruise him the, 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 the prophet also talks about God the Father Making his soul, that's the soul of God the Son An offering for sin And when the Lord Jesus was on the tree God the Father could not look upon them. He he turned his face away for three whole hours. And remember at the end of the ninth hour, the Lord Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Such is the awful curse and course of sin. Of course, on the tree, the Lord Jesus were fulfilling his function as a faithful high priest over the house of God. He was offering up himself as a once and for all sacrifice for sin. Hebrews 10 and 12, but this man, after he'd offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down in the right hand of God. So think of Christ in the tree, this blanket darkness, this darkness that was Veiling, as it were, the the seriousness of man's sin that was being transferred to the body of Christ. This darkness that displayed God's wrath and abhorrence against sin. The Lord Jesus, remember, was offering up himself as a ransom price, as a payment for sin to God the Father. And on the cross, the sins of all who would trust Christ as Lord and Saviour were being put to his account. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him with his stripes we are healed. Again, Peter says, who bear our sins in his own body on the tree. So, so here's the Lord Jesus and he's offering up his body as a sacrifice for sin. The guilt and punishment of our sin has been transferred to him, put to his account. The Lord Jesus has died. The Lord Jesus has cried and is finished. The Lord Jesus bows his head and gives up the ghost. And as he dies and gives up the ghost, the darkness then, this supernatural darkness has been there for three hours, lifted again. Why? Here's the answer. The Lord Jesus had made peace with God. He made peace with God, a glorious reality for all who would trust him. The Bible says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know tonight you can have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ? You can know safety, certainty, and enjoyment in a spiritual sense. You can experience the peace of God that passes all understanding on life's journey, no matter the storms, the struggles, no matter the sorrows that you face. Because the Lord Jesus on the cross by the shedding of his blood, made peace a glorious reality for all who would trust him. And on that cross, a tremendous work was being done. A transaction was taking place. Our sin was put to Christ's account. And having made peace, that peace can be put to our account. Do you see that tonight? A glorious transaction that's explained. And having made peace. The Lord Jesus taking our guilt. And punishment due to us for our sin. And for all who'll trust him. For all who'll receive him. He gifts them this wonderful gift of having peace with God. And surely that's part of the good news of the gospel. The Lord Jesus has made peace. He he is our peace. And the moment we trust him, we're gifted this wonderful blessing of peace with God. I want you to think, secondly, there's a gospel truth that is expounded. Not only a glorious transaction that's explained, but a, 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 a gospel truth that's expounded. I want you to think of a problem here. We'll ask this basic question. And having made peace, we'll pause, why does mankind, men and women, boys and girls and young people, need peace with God? And the answer is found in the context. If you go to Colossians chapter 1 and look with me at verse 21. And it says, And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies, you your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. See, here's Paul, and he's making reference in the context to the former lifestyle of many who were now living in Colossae. And you that were sometimes alienated. The enemies in your mind by wicked works. Now, Now, what does that mean? And you who were sometimes alienated. It means that they were living as aliens to God. Or strangers to God. They did not know God. They had no partner lot with the true and living God. They were not in a saving relationship with him. They were not true worshippers of him. They were living as a stranger to him. Even though God created them for himself for his own glory and created them to have fellowship with him and enjoy him forever. They were living as Strangers to him, they had no partner lot with him. Notice the wording here: and enemies in your mind by wicked works. In other words, they were possessed and controlled by a wicked, fallen, sinful mind. They had no thought of God. They they were not had a fear of God. They were not thinking right. They they, they were not seeking after God. They, They were not living right. They were not fulfilling the created purpose for which they had been designed and brought into the world. Remember Paul is talking about their former lifestyle before they were converted, when they were pagans living in Colossae. This is what they were like before they were converted. And maybe you're here tonight and you're thinking, but I haven't been hostile to God I've been raised in a good Christian home I've been brought up to go to church I've been brought up with the scriptures And the Bible and, Or I've been brought up with the prayer book And I'm not an atheist Mr. McLaughlin, or, or I'm not even an agnostic I'm not even sure if the words alienated Apply to me I'm not even sure if the word enemies In your mind By wicked works Describe My lot in life, I think that's a bit harsh. Now, if you're thinking like that tonight, I want to say this to you, and I say it lovingly. You don't know your true self. You certainly don't know your true self before God. And it means you've never really ever saw your true state and condition. You see, alienation from God is due to two things. God is holy and God hates sin. And God is hostile to all sin. And God has a settled wrath against all sin. And secondly, here's the other reason for the alienation from God. I, and you, likewise, are totally sinful. We're, we're born with inbred sin. We're born with pride. We're born with a, a, a stubborn and self-willed mindset. We're, we're alienated because God in his holiness can't have fellowship with us due to our sin. And, and God can't compromise and water down his holiness. And and also, I cannot deal with my sin by myself. Notice that sin begins in the mind. Isn't that what the text says? And you, that were sometimes alienated and enemies, where? In your mind. And then you see, because it's in the mind, it works its way outward. Our mind is at war with God, We're, we're hostile to God in our minds. And because we're hostile to God in our minds, then we engage in wicked deeds. Our evil deeds are not the cause of our hostile minds to God. We are hostile to God in our thinking first, which results in wicked works, which results in a lifestyle. An ungodly mind results in an ungodly lifestyle. And therefore, we need a new heart. We need a new mind. We need a new record. Now, now that's the condition of man. Tell them here. And that's one of the gospel truth that's being expounded. But you know, while this is the condition of man and it's a big problem, it's not the biggest problem. Can I tell you what the biggest problem is? The worst problem is that in this condition, God is offended. God is angry. God is grieved because of man's sin. And even if man was to stop and change his lifestyle God would still be offended Because of all the past sin and imperfection And you see many tonight have failed to grasp the problem Of their own human sinfulness They, they can't see it they, 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 they don't understand it Well you see Until you understand that you've got a problem you're not going to seek a prescription. If you don't see yourself as sick, you'll not seek the doctor. Until you understand I'm drowning and I'm going down for the last time, you'll not cry out, save me, I perish. Or until you understand that you're in danger of being burnt to death in a building, you'll, you'll not seek a way to escape or, or you'll not cry out to be saved. I wonder tonight, have you confessed that you're an alien to God? That in your mind you're hostile to him? That, that you're really a, a rebel who's been guilty of wicked works, who doesn't want to be saved? That's the problem here. That's the gospel truth that's being expounded. Notice there's a piece here. It says, and having made peace. The reference is to God as Father. It is God the Father who has taken the initiative here. In heart of this holy God who hates sin, who's angry with the wicked every day, this same God who is thrice holy desires terms of peace. And God has devised terms of peace. You see, in the heart and mind of this holy God, there's a plan where God deals fully and justly with sin and at the same time miraculously and marvelously displays his mercy to sinners in granting them peace with himself, in gifting them peace. God in grace has found a way to deal with man's problem, to satisfy his holy justice, And deliver and give peace to men. Could I say this tonight? And I say this lovingly. I want you to understand this. God is not seeking a way to send men to hell. God is not an evil, cruel ogre in heaven who delights to punish sin and the sinner. He says, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. God is not a, an evil bully, as the modernists of the liberals describe him, that takes delight in, in punishing sinners in eternal It's true that God is holy. It's true that God's a God of wrath. Heaven and hell is real. It's true that God will and must punish iniquity. But this same thrice-holy God who is angry with the wicked every day, has also devised means that men can enter in and fully experience peace with God. Do you know that love found a way? Love always finds a way. God is light, but God is also love. John 3 and 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. There's a peace here. Do you know there's a principle here and having made peace through the blood of his cross? You see, what's the basis and ground of this peace that God made? The answer is the blood of his cross. See, God took the initiative on the basis of the blood sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. Remember the Bible tells us in the preceding verse For it pleased the Father that in him That's in Jesus Christ Should all fullness dwell And then it tells us And having made peace through the blood of his cross The the reference is to Christ Fulfilling the life and office of the mediator Of the new covenant The focus is on the dignity of his blood that, that, that's linked to the very office that he fulfilled. Remember in the cross I've told you the Lord Jesus offered up himself a once and for all sacrifice for sin. And over in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 9, we read there of, of Christ, In verse 12 neither by the blood of goats and calves but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us it says here in verse 28 so christ was once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation god the father sent jesus christ as god the son into the world and not only did he come into the world as God incarnate But he came in to function in the office of a prophet To teach and tell us the way of salvation To, offer, uh, to function as a priest To offer prayer and to offer a sacrifice And of course the sacrifice was himself Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world And, and when we think about the blood shedding of Christ Remember it's the blood of the God man A unique person, God manifest in the flesh He came in the image and likeness of God. It's the blood of a representative man. The Lord Jesus on the cross was there as the head of the human race. One who represented every other man who would trust him as Lord and Savior. It's important that you grasp that because that that is part of sound theology, known as federal theology, the, the federal headship of Christ. And it's also the blood of the peacemaker. See, what was the Lord Jesus doing in the tree during those three hours of darkness? He was offering up to God his own body. Having the guilt and punishment of our sin put to his account. That in the death of, of, of his body and his shed blood, he could make peace a glorious reality for all who would trust him. He offered to God the ransom price. That's what redemption means. Redemption is a price paid for a slave so the slave could be set free. And Christ paid that in full by the shedding of his blood. That's what the Lord Jesus was doing in the tree. We were singing, Oh, make me to understand it. Help me to take it in. I want you to think of that glorious transaction. Christ took our sin and we can receive the gift of peace with God. There's a gospel truth here, a problem alienated enemies in your mind by wicked works there's a peace and having made peace there's a principle through the blood of his cross it's always on the ground of the blood we can never minimize the blood we never make too much of the blood but I want you to think of something else in closing not only a glorious transaction that's explained and a gospel truth that's expounded but think of a great triumph that is effective It says here in the text If you think of the rest of it By him to reconcile all things unto himself By him I say Whether they be things in earth or things in heaven And you that were sometimes alienated And enemies in your mind by wicked works Yet now Hath he reconciled And here's the great triumph that is effective Yet now Hath he reconciled Reconciliation is a biblical word I know it's been Distorted in today's age, but I want you to focus on the cross. I want you to think of what happened to the Lord Jesus during the three hours of darkness. His blood was shed, God's holy wrath was appeased, His holiness was satisfied, His law was fulfilled. Peace with God is attainable. The Bible says, Therefore, there's now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh. But after the Spirit, by Him, by Him, I say whether there be things in heaven or things in earth, yet now have they reconciled. By Him you can be reconciled to God, and that's a great triumph that is effective. Let me ask tonight, as we close, we'll deal with the subject of reconciliation at a different time. Are you in Christ? Have you come to Him? Do you know Him tonight? Is He your Lord and Savior? Can you know the effectiveness of the fact that you've been reconciled to God? You've been brought into a right relationship with Him. Have you experienced this gift of peace? This this peace that's purchased? This peace that's proclaimed this peace that's provided to all who will trust Christ. The Bible teaches there's no peace to the wicked. The Bible teaches that the wicked are like the troubled sea. You think of a troubled sea, stormy night, the foam, the waves smashing up against the rocks. And how many tonight are troubled because of the guilt and power of their own sin? And yet, here's the Lord Jesus. And he has purchased peace. And peace is proclaimed. You can have peace with God tonight. And this was provided. But it's like any gift. You have to receive it. And here's the triumph that's effective. Not only can you be reconciled to God. But by being reconciled. You can be gifted this wonderful gift. Of peace with God. Bible says thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed in thee because he trusteth in thee. Perfect peace. No matter what you face death, disease, tragedy, sorrow, breakup, no matter. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed in thee. Why? Because he trusteth in thee. This peace that was purchased provided and is proclaimed. This is the great triumph that's effective through the crosswork of Christ let me ask you in closing are you enjoying peace with God through the blood of Christ on the cross I trust that you are if not you can tonight and all you have to do is put your faith and trust in Christ May the Lord bless you. Thanks for coming.